0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the latest Coleman Had a Dream podcast. We're going to talk to you about USA Wales and Wales against Iran today. Uh, obviously, we would hope this be a cheerier podcast, but it is what it is. You know, such is the life of a Welsh football fan. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by Ruth. How are you doing, Ruth? Are you okay?
1: Okay. Yeah, that's a good way. Yeah, okay. Just it's okay. A, a good way of putting it. <laughs> I, th- I think we've both had karma weeks haven't we
0: Yeah I mean I've I've you know I've I've traveled less my my carbon footprint has been smaller Um let's uh, let's talk about something relatively lighthearted before we start I uh want to know because obviously we talked on the last podcast for, for anyone who listened uh that Ruth was watching the game with uh, the the uh, American Outlaws in was it Eugene you went to in the end
1: Eugene yeah, yeah
0: Um so yeah. how was how was that experience for you
1: um to date, I think I think the moniker of outlaws is definitely aspirational. <laughs> but they were they were lovely and very welcoming. And um I walked in and there's this guy in a bucket hat, and I'm like, oh thank God I'm not the only person here. So I rush over, shake his hand vigorously, you know, make a big fuss. And it turns out he has like he's he's like one of the qualified to his grandparents kind of <laughs> Welsh <laughs> folks. And I think he, I think he was a bit annoyed. I think he would actually like dug out every bit of Welsh memorabilia out of his of his nine who was from Cardiff, and donned it, expecting to be the only sort of token Welsh person in the room. And then suddenly I turn up, and um, so so that was quite funny. But no, the, the, it was you know it was a lunchtime on a Monday. People were sneaking in and out of work for half an hour and watching the game, and then having to go back and things. So it was you know, it was it was a pleasant enough way to watch the game. At half time, I was like, mm, "Okay, am I going st- to stick this out?" <laughs> I got a beer bought for me because I, I stood up and sang the anthem on my own, so I got a beer bought for me. Well done. So all in all, I can't I can't complain. They were a nice bunch. They were very welcoming. Well, that's good.
0: And I can't imagine, Ruth, that it's the first time that you've walked into a bar and uh, that someone else in that bar has rolled their eyes and gone, oh, bloody hell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You had a rather different Monday. <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I flew after work on Friday. Uh, we flew to Abu Dhabi uh, and then we had a little bit of a, a breather in Abu Dhabi and flew over to Qatar then. Um Got to our apartment at, at a decent hour, and we had a little little shut eye. To be fair, I got to say, the the apartment itself was I mean, not particularly near anything, but it was it was really nice. It was you know big, uh, comfy sofas and uh, you know comfy beds and everything. It was, it was it was pretty good. Everyone there could not have been nicer. I think we might have been like some of the first people to arrive, so I think the novelty of people turning up was like bloody hell. Um, so that was good. Um, we went out and, you know, and found ourselves some light, refreshing beverages on the Saturday night and followed a few instructions of a few guys we bumped into as we went along and uh, had, a, had a good drink on Friday, on Saturday night. And basically Sunday, walked, waltzed around a bit, did the same sort of thing, went to the Corniche and tried to find the bucket hat and, uh, and went to the Souk and had a little wander around there. And then basically we wanted to get a good seat for the for the Qatar-Ecuador uh, game. So we went to a bar we'd found, which is ironically where the uh, Croatian team was staying. Uh, the night before when we'd been there, uh, I saw Ivan Perisic walking up the stairs. Um, yeah, so that was quite entertaining. Um, and then obviously Monday, uh, we were at the match. Uh, we went to the Cymru party in the Intercontinental Hotel. That was pretty cool. Um, I haven't told you this story yet, Ruth, but you'll laugh. Um, we knew that the Barry Horns were playing. And we were hoping to, to see them, but there was like six different bars. So it wasn't clear which one the Barry Horns were playing in. So anyway, we'd been in one bar dancing about and singing some songs. And uh, I went to the loo and I walked past Fez from the Barry Horns, who I know pretty well. And I walked past Fez and I was like, oh, bloody hell, like, what, what time are you going on, mate? And he was just like, you're joking. You've missed it. And I was like, oh, God, was it, <laughs> was it good? And he said, was it good? We, you know, we, David Yuan came out and sang a O'Heed <laughs> with us. And I was just like, are you joking me? So whilst I was <laughs> whilst I was singing, you know, waka a um, next door, um, with some Cardiff City fans, bloody David Uan was, you know, not even a hundred yards <laughs> away from me singing a moraheed. So uh, that was annoying. But yeah, we made our way to the ground nice and early, and it was, it, it, I got to say, everything about the trip in terms of ease of access and everything was was pretty great. Um, it was easy to get around. The, the metros were good. Everyone was in good spirits. Um, the stadium checks were. Yeah possibly slightly too vigorous I would say um, <laughs> uh, but yeah we got in fine and we had good seats kind of in the corner next to the red wall um, the biggest problem to be honest we, was, we were sat I don't know if anyone's listened to the, the kind of match day pod we created but um, we were sat behind who I desc- a guy who I described on the on the pod as an arsehole, who um, was this American guy who every time America did anything remotely well, he turned around and was laughing at us or pointing at us. Or At one point, when America scored, he had like a big Stars and Stripes flag and just turned around and was like wafting the flag in our faces while we were sitting hands on knees. It's like, what an idiot you are, mate. But uh, needless to say... Um, with about eight minutes of normal time to go, he very much regretted his decision, as he had a group of very angry, very excitable, drunk Welsh people uh, chanting Wales at the back of his head, which I don't think he enjoyed particularly. But there you are; and that's uh, you get what you deserve, my friend. Um, but yeah, um, came we flipped. The worst bit was, to be honest, we got straight back to the airport after the match because we were flying back to Abu Dhabi to fly back home because I had we had work on the Wednesday, so. Um, just extraordinarily tired and obviously no voice and I was reminded when we got to work on Monday morning that I was um, we were doing a singing activity with all of year 7 so we had 211 year olds in the in the big hall thing that we have in school and uh, kind of walked in I was just like oh god my voice is gone I'm really not in the mood for this I was like sorry I can't remember who's, uh, who's leading the first song and someone just gave me a guitar and I was just like oh god so i so i had to sing i had to sing try everything by shakira uh, which i don't know if anyone knows that song it's not a classic um i had to sing try everything uh, by shakira with a load of Year seven so it was not the great reintroduction to work that i was hoping <laughs> for but yeah it was uh it was a great occasion it was a great th- it was a great feeling I've p- i posted a video of the moment when uh when we scored on our on our Facebook and our Instagram, it was just an amazing feeling to to be there. Wales is what at the moment is Wales's only goal at uh, a World Cup in 64 years. To 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 have witnessed that and have that moment was something very very special. So uh, yeah, it was a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of effort, but. Uh, I don't think I would have changed much, to be perfectly honest. Unless, uh, well, apart from Gareth Bale being able to lob uh, Matt Turner at the end, that would have been the uh, that would have been <laughs> the highlight. But, uh, but there you go. Yeah, it was a fantastic few days. Let's focus on the America game, Ruth, because uh, I I'm still traumatized by Iran yesterday. Um, we're not going to go into too much detail. I think that's fair. Um, I think the the only real thing is I, I I think more not starting was the big kind of talking point at the time, and I think that that showed to be the case, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, when when I saw the starting eleven, I mean, I've mentioned I'd I'd always rather we play more. I think we just we just score more goals. He's just, you know after Bale, he's the second highest scorer we've got over over recent games. I don't see the point in not playing him. But equally, that starting eleven and how it was set up was basically how we started against Austria. And i you know so it's it's difficult to kind of really argue against it on paper. obviously how it materialized in that first half was appalling um and and clearly bringing more on made made a huge difference in the second half we can't pretend otherwise but but it would be hypocritical of me to make it sound like I was jumping up and down when I saw the starting 11 I, I, I felt it was all right I think there's this ongoing argument about who we play up front um so all you know all in all I was a little bit concerned about the center mid and that's you know in both games I think ultimately that's become a, a key issue hasn't it that uh, I I just think we're leaving in in that scenario we're leaving ampadu with too much to do because because Aaron just naturally steps up too much for that role but I'm, I mean I'm digressing a little bit uh so yeah I wasn't I couldn't really argue with the start in 11 it clearly made the difference when we went to the second half 11 can't pretend it didn't
0: yeah, I agree. I, and I think ultimately, without, again, going into too much depth, I think the midfield issue is the one for me, and, and that remains into the Iran game as well. I think we were too open. And, you know, Aaron covered a lot of covered a lot of ground, sorry, but I think a lot of it was retrospective, if you know what I mean, kind of chasing things rather than pre-empting things. Um, I think that space that was left in midfield was kind of demonstrated perfectly in their goal. Obviously, Pulisic kind of running a diagonal through the pitch, and... To be fair to him, you know, it, i think he had the he had the biggest impact in the game. I thought his movement was great, his energy was great, his work weight was great and, and that ball he's put through to to to, to Weyer was it was a perfectly weighted ball and obviously he's run onto it and and done the rest, and and I don't really think we have to. I mean, if I was going to be critical of any one player, Nico Williams was maybe a bit slow to react uh, as as that was going through. But I mean, that's about it really. I think I think we've just got to at some point you have just got to hold your hand up and say that was you know that was a great goal, and and we didn't react to it very well at all.
1: No, and I think. You Know we, we could have come out much worse, stay out of that first half, couldn't we? We could have been two or three down. I think, in high, you know, we were actually pretty fortunate to only be one goal down at, at half the time. They it's interesting, so statistically, they didn't cause a huge number of problems. And Hennessy, it wasn't like Hennessy was really having to make many. I mean, that, that strange back header back pass by Rodden was amongst their, you know, technically their best chances of the, of the first half. Um, so it was weird in that sense, in that how much possession, they had 92% possession, possession at one point in the game, um, that they, they weren't actually peppering our goal, but it didn't feel like that, did it? It fe- felt like we were pressurised, it felt like they were doing things. So it was an interesting kind of dichotomy in those terms.
0: I think the pressure is the is the word there. I think they. they I think we mm. constantly felt under pressure because it felt like they always had the ball. And I, I think the only upside was that we did help hold them out in certain areas and we kind of frustrated them. I think as much as as they were as good, I think they were also frustrated mm. by us. Um, and I think, obviously, the big change of bringing more on at halftime made the difference. I still don't think it addressed the key issue. I just think it allowed yeah. us to do more. And I think all that happened was they continued to press high, which allowed us to play a long ball, which gave us pockets of space to work in. And I yeah. think I think the biggest thing, actually, is that they didn't react to our change. We made our change, and they didn't react in, a, in, a, in any way, <laughs> yeah. realistically. And I think that was the key. There were a lot of spaces on the break for them, um, but... I, I, you know, equally, I don't think, you know, we were, we were driving forward, you know, overly brilliantly either. Obviously that there's that Ben Davis kind of header after the bumbled corner. Um, but that was about it. That was, that was the first kind of heart in mouth moment, I would say for them. Um, obviously, you know, the, the quick thinking from the goal, uh, the, the quick throw in and kind of the, the run from Ramsey and then the cut back to Bale, who's kind of Preempted the tackle. It was Zimmerman, I think it was. Um, I think mm-hmm. he's kind of preempted that really, really well. Turned his body away, and and obviously, what uh, you know, that bit of extra experience made a difference, right?
1: Yeah, just going back to what you were saying about more, it felt like we were kind of addressing a symptom as opposed to addressing a cause. If yeah. that makes sense, that's what that's what he solved. He solved the symptom, but not the root cause of the issue. um I was chatting with some of the um, American guys that were sat near me in in the pub after the game, and you know, one of them was kind of like, "Well, why did Zimmerman go in that heavy?" And you know, it, I, I was I was sort of making the point that fundamentally, that's about what Bale can do, not what he was actually doing at, at that moment. You know, back to goal, all that sort of thing. It's you know, on paper, it's like, "Why have you gone in as heavy as this?" Was was their take from the American perspective? And we were discussing the fact that really that's that's almost Bale's aura causing that penalty, and 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 I and I think we're living a little bit off that at the moment rather than a reality. But I can't disagree with what you were saying about the immediate build-up to the awarding of the penalty. That was among our better play of the of the game.
0: I think it might be fair to say it might even be our best play of the tournament, to be perfectly honest. Um, (laughs) I, I think. Just again, just to journey back, I think that's a great point that he addressed the symptom, not the problem. And I think a knock-on effect of that is that things didn't change perhaps in the way they needed to ahead of the Iran game. I think we thought it would solve the problem and that actually has obviously turned out not to be the case. Because to be fair to Rob Page, I don't want to jump around too much here, but I think we all recognised a change was needed and it was definitely going to be more. So I think most people were happy with the lineup whilst recognising there was still a potential window for something else to happen. Um, but... I do think that's a great way of, of, of describing it. Obviously, the penalty there was a bit of a nervy wait um, for the for the penalty to be taken, and it was an absolutely superb penalty, right into the corner, uh, right into the side net. In keeper almost got a hand to it, but even if he had, I think it just would have broken his hand. Um, and uh, just amazing scenes, obviously I've I've, I've said what happened in in my end there, there was one other thing I wanted, one other video I wanted to reference, obviously Nico had been brought off just before that and he's walking his way round the pitch and there's a brilliant video where he can't watch he is watching the crowd reaction so the, everyone starts celebrating and it's only then that Nico starts celebrating and runs off the place I thought that was a lovely video obviously an emotional day for him and Connor Roberts as well actually but um yeah how was how was it in the bar when the when the penalty went in
1: um a little isolated celebration going on <laughs> here <laughs> um I think I think the the, the, the Americans the were they frustrated obviously i think that you know they the the, their frustration at how the game turned out was building during the game because i think they felt they were so on top in the first half and the fact that they hadn't maximized that you know came back to haunt them effectively and then there was that growing kind of realization of we've let this slip away kind of air to the air to the bar but you know obviously i was jumping up and down and making the noise
0: <laughs> well i should hope so too um obviously we saw the game i, I think we kind of made a, a, a f- made it feel like we were pushing to kind of grab something from the game and i'm not really sure that really materialized obviously acosta fails fouls bail when he's going to have that long shot uh, at the end which was frustrating it would be interesting to see what happened but overall i think yes we could have won it in the second half but I mean equally I don't think we could have had too many complaints if they were 2-0 up at half time either so I think a draw was absolutely the fair result there.
1: No I, I agree and you know I think we we as you say we could have nicked it but I'm not sure that was fair on them and I think they they could have been far enough ahead after the first the first half that would we were ch- you know taste our tails even more so i think ultimately a draw was probably appropriate um i mean n- neither team created much really dave when you start adding it up you know it's it yeah. was a i mean we talked we talked with chris about uh, the, the notion of of this ending up as a dull one-1 because both teams were frightened of risking losing and although i think ultimately the one-1 was appropriate I think I don't think it was a dull game in that sense. I think it was a frustrating game for both sides. Um But I think I think there was a bit of that court of cagey caginess that came out in the in the game. Um
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And I think the caginess is a perfect way. And we've had a question from Ben Apbari. BMC Wow on Twitter who's asked a question which relates to this I think in a tournament where unfancied nations playing on the front foot with bravery and aggression are getting good results are we at the wrong end of the scale this time to compared to 2016 where a lot of teams seem to set up to defend and then hope for that bit of magic um, Portugal obviously won it that way and um, If so, why? Our biggest strength this decade has been our team spirit and punching above our weight. But in this tournament, we have shown nothing like that. And it feels like we're here to make up the numbers. Is our time up or do we need to refresh our approach? I think that's a great question because it it addresses two things which I think has been the biggest problem here. And this bleeds into talking about the Iran game, which is what are we actually trying to do here like how are we trying to play and i don't think we have an answer to that question and i think it's interesting because i think the usa are trying to be aggressive from front foot and kind of a hundred miles an hour and, and hope that yields results for them and it almost did against us they you know they could have t- maybe should have been two maybe three a three and a half time you, you couldn't have argued with that in the same way that they were in that up and atom sort of way against america against england sorry Obviously, they didn't have the quality to capitalize on that, perhaps, up front, but that style of play is is working. And you look at other teams, I've watched Ecuador play both games, I really like watching them, they're physical, they're fast, they're aggressive, they move the ball quickly, I thought Saudi Arabia beating Argentina, exactly the same. You know, I appreciate they had to sit back after they scored the second goal and they had a small spell, but they were still 100 miles an hour, they were in teams' faces, and we, I, I think we've done that maybe for 45 minutes i and probably not even 45 minutes I would say maybe half an hour in that second half against USA mm-hmm. we've done that I think that is perhaps where the big issue is here I think is that we are on the, on the wrong side of that line we got it judged it perfectly in 2016 but less so this time around do you, do you think that's fair and do you think that that is what has cost us in this tournament so far
1: I do think it's fair. I think there's a counterpoint to that, which I'll come as a sort of devil's advocate argument. But I do think that where we have our advantage is our speed on the speed on the respective wings. Whether it's Nico and Connor Roberts or it's Johnson and James, you know, that's and we're just not making use of that. We're getting so pulled and pushed around so much in the centre of the field that even if that was actually our plan, we've got no way of demonstrating it. So I think my problem is that our plan may have been, and I don't don't think it was, because I don't think we'd have set up and sat back in that first half against the US in the way we did, but if our plan was to be utilising the speed down the wings and pushing forward aggressively there... You've got to have a stable midfield to enable that. And we're missing that stable midfield. So even if we wanted to do that, we're too too harried, we're too rushed, we're too pressed, we're too discombobulated in the middle of the field to really have anything going on the outsides. I'm unconvinced that that was actually the intention because I don't think it manifests itself in the first half against the US, somewhat in the second half against the US. The counter-argument is... Have we stayed in games with big guns, and in inverted commas, the Belgians and the Hollands of the world? Have we stayed in games with them by holding and holding and holding and then being in a position to do something in the last 15 minutes? Is that the way that we have gone toe-to-toe with the Belgians and Hollands of the world? And is the problem that, that for these games that might work for the belgians and the hollands of the world but in the games where we need to be on the front foot and we need to be trying to impose ourselves on a game as opposed to just getting through a game we haven't got a we haven't got a framework of play that works in those circumstances we haven't played well dave you could make a case we haven't played well since we played turkey
0: yeah i think that's fair
1: you know um And I think we're just, like, everything I've said, just said, is if, 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 if. And I think that goes back to what you were saying, what is our style of play? What are we trying to achieve here?
0: I mean, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, and I agree with a lot (laughs) of what you've said. But I do think that if you also go back to, you know, when we were at full strength against Belgium in the the qualifiers, in the home game, for example... Mm -hmm. I appreciate they scored first, so it necessitated us taking the game to a bit. But we did try and do that, I think. I think we were on the front foot and we weren't a a full, mad, high press. But we were still committing players forward and and being a a threat in that way. And I think that that is what made a big, big difference to us in those games. And if you think about when Kiefer Moore scored, and even when Brennan scores against Belgium in the the Nations League... um, that's come from that kind of high fullbacks, high press, mm-hmm. you know, being up the field and being aggressive. So I do think we do that. I just don't, I, I feel like we are often forced into doing that, and I think that's what I. Uh, th- in a way, this this game reminded me a little bit of when we played the Czechs in Prague, whereby we'd gone two one down, uh, and we had to not lose that game. We had to get something, mm-hmm. so we went balls to the wall. We you know we brought wing backs, our defensive players off, and put wide attacking players on. Um, we did what we needed to to get something out of that game, and and that was being front foot and being aggressive, but that was a result of something else, and I think yeah. that is the problem. As I think we do this in spells when we need to, and I still don't really know what the f- the full time plan is, if if that makes sense. Um, like and that li- again, like Gaz Williams has, has has got in touch and he said, do you think it's a problem that Paige and all of us don't really know our best team and we don't have a settled eleven? every international window there's questions about who's going to play in formation etc i made that point but in fact before the before the usa game and when i, t- I tweeted like it, it is i'll put it in my match report even uh preview that it's, it's it's futile almost trying to pick this start in 11 for us because when everyone is available which pretty much everyone is we we don't actually always seem to know what the best plan is um and i think and i and i think gaz is absolutely spot on there i i and i'm sure you agree i I don't want to labor these points too much but i think that is a big problem isn't it and i think to move on to the iran game we we didn't know what was going to happen we all knew we wanted more to play we all probably recognized there were probably changes that needed to be made and and they weren't going into that game and i think as soon as that iran game started it was patently obvious what they wanted they wanted to suck us forward a little bit because they knew we were open in midfield and hit us on the break and it and it happened very quickly and it, and it continued to happen and we didn't really address that at any point in the game
1: yeah i mean it was it looked like the first half of the of the american game but with the their front two able to do something in a way that hadn't happened in the american game yeah and i don't think we improved out that what was needed it's going back to that symptom versus cause discussion from earlier we hadn't addressed what was gi- giving americans the space to do things and hence the iranians just took advantage of the same issues and we would we were just too open to to uh too accommodating in midfield I think we didn't ask any questions of them they didn't have to work to do anything we were being pulled from pillar to post we were running around in circles a bit their their press was good when we did have possession we were terribly harried Um, and I I think those fundamental problems were the same as the same as as Monday's game I think one of the things that's disappointed me about the, the change from the lack of change in some respects from Monday to Friday is: the Iranians looked at how they played against England, came up with an improvement. The USA looked at how they played against us and came up with an improvement in their second game, and we don't, and any other than tick the box and said, "I oh, will play Kiefer Moore.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair, and I think, without wishing to get too technical and, and tactical. It looked very much like every time we had the ball, in a, we were trying to switch it side to side to create some space in between. And I think the idea was that a spare defender, Ben Davis on the left, mm-hmm. Meppen on the right, would almost push into midfield to create an extra holder in midfield almost to allow yep. Ramsey Wilson to go on and, and do other stuff in attack, which in principle is great. But the problem is, is that if you lose the ball in a particular area... All of a sudden, your two attacking centre-backs, if you like, have to drop in. And because your two midfielders have vacated the midfield to go on, you're left with this situation where Ampadu is basically doing two or three people's jobs on his own. And that's where that space yeah. came from. I mean, their goal that was offside. I mean, why the guy didn't shoot in the first place, I'll never know. But, um, you know, in that kind of, in that the way that worked out, they broke forward at pace and everything else. But there was about they had about four or five touches there. It's not as <laughs> if they were ever kind of under pressure to do things quickly. They just made made the bad choice in the end. And Rodden, bless him, was jumping. Around. I thought Rodden was excellent against Iran for what it's worth. But he was jumping about everywhere in that moment. He, he was just he, he had no option as the other than to be Superman and diving about the place. Um, and we got exceptionally lucky that the man has just um, taken that one step forward too early and has played himself <laughs> offside. Um, but I mean, again, that was a warning shot. I mean, Paul Godding has got in touch at seven puzzle and said after every year this every game this year I've said we need to bolster our midfield, even if it means four at the back, we're always overrun. No hole, uh, two holders need to the number ten. And we are doing it the other way round almost. We're doing one holder and two tens. Um yes. you know it's 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 a difficult position. It's a difficult decision to make, but that—that's that thats where the problem is, right? We've got—we need to address that. He asks, do you, would you put the the youngsters in against England? And we'll we'll come to that question in a second, Paul. But I think that's where the real issue lies there. And, and and at no point did we correct that. And I think just to stop my ramble and finish on Paul's point is that we we do need to bolster that midfield. And my big alarm bell, and I and I raised this against Denmark when we lost in that game, is there's stuff, and I know it's more complex than this, and I get it. But there's stuff that is obvious to me and you and to Paul and, and all of the fans. Why did we not address that? And and it's happened mm-hmm. in two games. And I also think we've got a bit lucky in some of the you know the other games around us. You know, not so much in the Austria game. Although in the Austria game they should have been one nil up um, mm-hmm. in the first ten minutes or so. But you know. Those, those. This is not a new problem. Those problems have been there. The Belarus game is another perfect example. I know we won three two, but again, that issue remained in that game there, where we get caught on the break twice for them to score two goals. Why is that not being addressed? Because for me, that's the reason we lost yesterday. We can talk about Hennessy's red card or whatever, but that's the reason we lost yesterday for me.
1: Yeah, I agree. We're asking Ampadu to do too much. Fundamentally, is what it comes down to. Against, against, you know world-class midfields and you can't we can't approach it like that he's and i think particularly he's still also learning to read the game we have got to be conscious of that we're asking what is still a very young player yes he's got experience at our within our setup but that most of it has not been at that position he's usually played alongside someone and we i don't we just it's what you were saying second ago we just can't approach these games to one holder and two tenths. We're just too open. It's just Fundamentally, we're then asking the back three to do too much. And in fairness to them, I thought and Broden and Davies played really well in the Iran game. Yeah. I, I think as a, as a trio, I think Meppham solidified that place. I think it's given us the ability to put Ampadu into midfield. I, you know, I think there's positives in that trio as a back line. I think the problem is if we commit to five at the back, we keep returning to this issue, if we commit to five at the back, what does that mean going forward? And we we seem to approach it almost as a 5-1-4, a almost. And that's just too open in the middle. We're coming back to that issue.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Dan Pritchard has said the same thing. Is it fair to ask Ampadu to do the work of two players in the middle of the pitch? I think that was, again, the difficulty there as part of that is... is is. We rotated Wilson and and uh, and Ramsey mm. in that spot as the as the helper, if you like, of Ampadu. But again, almost not their fault, a bit their fault. But they they naturally are going to go forward. You can't be surprised mm. if you tell someone to do that. You know, if you tell someone like Aaron Ramsey to do that, you know he's going to go forward. That's not a shock to anyone. So again. Acres of space left in behind. Um, and again, I, I feel like that's where a lot of our problems came from. Let's look at those turning points in that game then, Ruth, before we get too bogged down. Um, I think, obviously, Kiefer Moore's early chance is a big turning point. Should he do better?
1: Uh, I mean, yes, probably. <laughs> but I, But I think at that point in the game... It didn't seem as it didn't seem as uh, I, was, I, don't, I suppose at that point, early enough in the game, you're not seeing it as a, the one chance, as it were. So, yes, you should do better, but you, we see plenty of strikers not not finish off those sorts of chances.
0: Yeah, in that moment, I suppose. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, as as the game kind of develops, they've had some great chances. You know that that's that bonkers spell where they hit the post twice. Um, and then the rebound comes back to Asmul. He hits it straight at Hennessy. Um, obviously, Hennessy's made that wonderful save a couple of minutes later where he's turned it around the post. And, and I, I know this is going to sound crazy. I actually think Hennessy had a great game. He made a couple of very good saves in the game. His distribution was very good. I just, God alive, what is he doing? Charging out there in the, what, you know, with in, in the basically, what was it, 88th minute or something like that? Just a, a totally unnecessary decision. Um, there was cover there, you know, uh, so frustrating and it's, it's it's bad enough that he's missed the ball by you know half an hour he's also you know sought to he's of sought to decapitate uh, the, the Iranian attacker um, how how the ref gave that as a as a as a yellow card initially before I'll never know but I mean just a, a, a just a crazy decision from Hennessy and one that probably didn't need making
1: no, agreed. And I agree with you. I've You know, watching it, it's like my immediate reaction is he's off. That's a red. And I, I couldn't believe that it was a yellow. And, you know, one of those situations where the right decision was made by VAR, unfortunate for us, but that was, that was a
0: red all the way. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And they obviously kind of took advantage of that. I don't want to pick on Joe Allen for the first goal because he's just on and all that other stuff. The question whether you know, could, should Morel have been on? I'm not saying Morel would have done any, any different necessarily, but that is that is a clearance of someone who mm-hmm. is rusty at top level football, isn't it? You know, he's rather than just lumping that away, he's, he's possibly even had time to take a touch there if he wants to, um, and he's and, and still deal with that. And he hasn't done that, he swept it out to them. And Don't get me wrong. It's a very good finish into the bottom corner. It's, yeah. it's come through bodies. I don't think you can really question Ward uh, there at all. But God, what a frustrating way. 98th minute, um, you know, very, very frustrating. Difficult moment. Um, yeah. And again, I, I just I just feel like in a way that goal kind of typified the issue. We would we, probably made the right change in bringing Allen on uh, a little bit earlier in the game. That's the right decision to kind of shore things up. Give us an extra man there and help us move the ball about a little bit better. Um, and then, and then, because of the the issue in our squad about game time for some of our big players, it, it's, it, he's he's maybe made the mistake that's that's cost us the game and, and possibly our chances in the tournament. It's you know great finish and all, but you know, and again summing up our tournament so far, just an avoidable moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I think he's like he's got on the ball, he's cleared it. And obviously, he hasn't being cleared in a way that in hindsight makes sense it should have just been looped, lumped away but i think um i think the, the point about player time and rustiness is interesting because actually most of those players are playing regularly you know, i think we've got to be careful that we don't over egg this idea of us having not a lot of first team club level first team players. I think the problem is there's a few key people that are rusty. Aaron is rusty. Yeah. Wilson is rusty. Bale is rusty. And I Joe Allen that. is rusty. So, and I think I think it's demonstrated why we felt I feel in particular, um, Mep, Rodden and Davies are probably so far been our players. You know, players of the tournament, almost as it were. And I think part of that is the fact that they're getting regular team football. I think they're just in a better place to tackle these games than the guys that are rusty. So I think it's key It's key personnel that are rusty, as opposed to this collective idea that as a team, we don't have many first-team starters at club level. I don't think that's actually accurate.
0: No, and, I, and to be fair, that's, that is what I meant. Uh, it was more that the big names, if you like, can't do that. And I think if you look across our team, um, you, you say that about these, you know, players not starting or whatever. But our goalkeeper doesn't start every week. Well, he, he mm-hmm. never starts. Um, you know, Mepham I appreciate has played a bit more recently and he's doing well, but he doesn't start every week. Um, Moore doesn't start every week. Wilson's been out for ages. James mm-hmm. doesn't start every week. Bale doesn't. Ramsey doesn't. You know, I, I appreciate I appreciate your point, but actually I've just reeled off seven players who started in that first game and you, you wouldn't call them regulars for their first team. So I, I appreciate what you're saying, but I, I also think that there is, there's an underlying wider issue there to that as well. I don't think it's just fair to pick out those players. But with that said, I think if you look at those players, Ramsey, Wilson, James, Bale in particular, I think those are four players who've been... You know, I don't want to say our poorest players at the tournament, but I, I, you could you could certainly make that argument. Certainly about Ramsey, I, I, I don't want to dig him out. It's not his fault alone, but I, he's he's nowhere near what he's been capable of. And I think if you take Bale's penalty away from him, I I don't really know what he's. Uh, he's you know, he, Bale didn't. The only shot that Bale had on target in that opening game was the penalty. Bale's only shot on target in the second game was that kind of failed volley he had in the first half. You know, I, I, and I'm not just having a go at them for the sake of having a go at them. I recognise their impact, but I, it is it is having a big impact on them. And I think those players, we're talking about making mistakes and not being the best contrib- contrib- contributors as, as they usually are, are, those four or five players... Who haven't been getting game time so yes it may not affect the whole squad but the the people who we need to have an impact on this tournament are the ones who aren't getting the regular game time um,
1: I, th- I think it's a concentration dave i think the fact that you're listing those players and basically that's our front four front five yeah. however you want to look at it i think it's the, the concentration of the rustiness there is the issue rather than this idea that somehow our whole team is rusty
0: Yes, yeah, and that, that's very much my point. I think I think I agree with you there. Uh, to, to look at their second goal, really, I mean, I don't think really it matters. Uh, but again, we're wide open. Uh, the one point I did want to make here is that the amount of times we played a long diagonal to pretty much no one, hoped that we recovered the second ball, which we didn't, and it led to a break. And again, even in the hundred and millionth minute, whatever it was, they were still driving forward and, and, you know, they got that break and yeah, it was a, you know, well worked goal, good finish, blah, blah, well done. But, um, I I think again, that moment, that 30 seconds of trying something long ball, which didn't seem the rest decision, badly controlled, not worked out. Oh God, we're in the shit here. Like that happened so many times in the game, so many times in the US game, in fact, um, and it's frustrating. Um, just before I, I let you respond to that, I just want to add to that because it ties in. Rob Bell um, has got in touch and said, why so many poor individual performances? And I think that's a great a great question because in an attacking sense, I think there have been a lot of, of poor performances, a lot of bad touches and wayward passes and poor decision-making. And like, I mean, I love Joe Rodden. He's been defensively brilliant. His passing in that USA game was as if he had it is as if he'd been in the pub with you ruth I you know having having your beers having your coronas you know he, he he was he was all over the show and i think that does raise an interesting point like there are one too many of our players who've just in certain areas of the pitch especially in possession of the ball have just not been good enough
1: yeah i mean i, I think the possession question is interesting because the number of you, as you said the number of misplaced passes speculative passes, um, diagonals across the field from one side to the other, which were just either over here or under here, or just asked too much of the recipient player, you know, that it ricocheted out for a throw in before anything actually happened. There was just too many occasions where we were putting each other under pressure, I think, in terms of a bit of a hospital pass here and there where we... Almost like it was the, the proverbial hot potato. I don't want this. I'm going to fire it off to somebody else and just putting that somebody else under too much pressure.
0: I agree. And I think a lot of that comes from, you know, just the, as you say, those passes just being that little bit too far in front or a little bit too behind. You have to take an extra touch. You can't do it first time. Um, Gareth Green has asked a great question. Did the pressure of expectation get the better of us? There has been so much celebration, hype and build up coming into Qatar. Rightly so. Simply put, have we just bottled it when we've got there?
1: I think that's a really hard one. To, but I think that might be only be measured in hindsight, really, that one. I think we are, I mean, I can't, you know, we're sitting here between game two and three of a World Cup group stage and it feels like the, you know, the... Bottoms falling out of things. We're, actually, we're, we're, we're between group two and three in a World Cup group stage. And I have to keep reminding myself yeah. that this is the kind of the angst and the pain and the yearning and the hope that we've wanted for 64 years. And you know, we've we've got to be kind of measured in that sense. We can't we can't hope for this and and then just get that the pin out and burst the balloon as though it were unimportant. Um I think there may be an element of uh, was it Paul? I think there may be an element
0: of uh, Gareth. Sorry,
1: Gareth. Sorry. I think there may be an element of what Gareth was saying in that we we need to learn this process. I think um, I think there is a step up from the Euros to the World Cup, uh, and. I think the Euros are kind of like almost like a family event and the World Cup is like a public facing event. Does that make sense? Like you can kind of get away with the informality and the the stuff at the level of the Euros and then at the World Cup there's this there's just so much more attention, so much more rigor to what's going on that I think we may have been caught out a little by that. But I'm not I'm not ready to to say we bottled it, for example, I think I, I want to see how the, the group stage flows out yet, yeah, really.
0: Yeah, I, I, don't, I agree. I, I don't think we've bottled it. But I think a combination of factors of the celebration, hype, the big build-up, all of that stuff, hasn't helped in a positive way since we've got here. And I think the, the comparison you've made there, uh, one of the guys, James uh, Galois in France, who writes for us has asked, kind of made the point in our WhatsApp group. It's like you've you've just been promoted on FIFA, and all of a sudden, you know, you, you think you've got the world by its horns, and you go up and you play Division Four or Expert level or whatever on on FIFA, and you think you've got it all sorted, and you're like, Christ, these lads are good, and and it's true, and and I was, I was chatting, we had people to stay for the weekend, and I was chatting to chatting to Ron he was he was saying like what is the group of death do you think this year and I've got like a wall chart up in the front room and I was just like maybe that one well maybe that one yeah. well actually what about that one oh that's that's <laughs> quite a tough." and I think the reality is you, you've got if you want to get out of a group you've got to be at your best at all times and I think in the euros you can afford to lose a game and it'll be okay and at the minute you can come third in a group and it'll be okay and here a, a defeat to all intents and purposes kills you? Like the, the, you're out with a tournament, and I think you know that's tough. And it's interesting. We talked a lot about in the build-up. You know, the you know we've lost, we haven't won a game in ten now. I think, um, and that you know context is needed for that. It is. It doesn't change the fact we still haven't won a game in ten. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? there's obviously we, we I know we wanted to brush that under the carpet a little bit before the tournament, but it's it's gone to show that there is there was there was merit in that conversation there was you know there was something in that um, yeah. and I, and i think that you know that is that's come home to root. so i don't think we've bottled it i actually think we've just performed in in if we were being totally realistic i think we've performed in the way that we probably looked like we were going to perform which is which is an an unfortunate kind of turn turn of circumstance but it it, it is probably true um can i just come back
1: on. on something you were saying about the Euros compared to the to the World Cup, Dave. I think that point about the fact that most teams that come third in the Euros get out of their group. You're going from from the twenty-four teams in the Euros, you're only losing eight of them in the group stages. So you've got a two thirds chance of getting through. Whereas in the World Cup you've got a fifty fifty chance of getting getting through. And yeah. I wonder whether the change in the odds Means you can be, you feel you can be a bit braver in the Euros. You can be a bit more on the front foot. Taking a chance might not have the ramifications it does in the World Cup. Maybe there's a mentality that in the World Cup yeah. it's more important not to lose than it is to win. Um, and I wonder. I mean, we might be over over nuancing this, but I wonder if there is a slight mental shift there um, that we haven't got our head around yet.
0: I mean, I think so. I I mean, you look at that Italy game in the last game of the Euros. We were celebrating a 1-0 defeat there because we got a second in the group. I mean, mean, that's absolute madness. That would never normally happen. Um, A defeat, like I say, normally in a World Cup sees you out, so... You know, it, yeah. it's, it's it's not easy. Yeah. I think the point you've made there also is true that we are between games two and three. Uh, and Dan Pritchard did ask a follow-up question, which is, if we beat England, put them out qualify ourselves, this would, beca- <laughs> th- this would become our greatest ever result. Thank you to the lady in the background for laughing along with us there. But that is true as well, you know, I, I, I know we're a bit doom and gloom at the minute and I know it's unlikely. Perhaps, but there is that side to it that we can win <laughs> and knock England out of the tournament, which is also mad in itself. So, I suppose we, I, you know, I, I'm being critical because I think the criticism is deserved. Um, it's not that funny, love, but I, I do think that whilst the criticism is deserved, I don't think it changes my approach or mentality here. You know, we, we, we've been singing Amar for however long, but it's yeah. true. We are still here. We're still in this tournament. There's still a game to go. If we win that game, anything can happen. I mean, how sweet would it be, God alive, to be yeah. winning that game against <laughs> against the Sice? That would be absolutely magnificent. So, you know, when, when we put it in that context, there is an upside to this because it's not over yet. You know, it, it's going to require a lot from us, but it's, it's, it's going to require us to win a football match. You know, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. And I was listening to the Edge Foth podcast on the way back and Chris Meppham, who I thought spoke brilliantly after the game uh, against Iran, said, it's always when people write us off, we've got our backs against the walls that we're at our strongest. And I thought, yes, Chris. Get in there. Let's have these bastards. Let's you know. Let's show them what we're doing and what we're made of. And okay, we may go out with a whimper, but if we go out and have a go at them, even if we lose two nil, but we've been on the front foot. We've been aggressive. We've been sensible. We've committed to trying to win that game. I, 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 you know, we can't have complaints from that. So I think that's uh, I think that's a great point as well. You know, that we are still in this, right?
1: Yeah, and uh, I mean it is the
0: hope that kills you ultimately, isn't
1: it? But you know we're not out of the tournament yet, and we, you know, we've got to be as positive as we can be about Tuesday's game, and, and you know how how we can put. And I think actually the momentum of a decent uh, right now, a decent performance would be would actually be really important, even if we don't come away with points. I think to have a positive impact on the tournament to not be the team that is talked about as having the first person with a red card and that you know i think that would be a better way obviously a better way to leave the tournament if that's what it's still if that's still the outcome at least show what we're capable of at least be positive at least be on the front foot at least ask some questions of the opposition i think if we can we can get those things Obviously, that would be a lot better than the repeats of what we've seen in the last two games.
0: Absolutely. Um, to to have a final quest, well, sort of final question and look forward. Um, Paul Godding, the last part of his question was, would you put the youngsters in uh, against England? One nil could still be enough. Um, and to go with that, Mark Youngman, who is an Englishman, God bless him for getting in touch, um, has asked, um, How how is it that a match fit regular Premier League forward? gets less than half an hour of football across two games i i assume he's referring to brennan johnson there he makes a he makes a great point um you know to go along that alid harry who's, who's been in touch with us a couple of times alid thomas 99 on twitter he says who starts instead of Bale and ramsey and i'm sure that's you know slight tongue-in-cheek there but again, still raises a good point. I saw someone else on Twitter commenting, you know, would it be feasible to let Bale have 45 minutes and Ramsey have 45 minutes and just say, go for your lives for 45 minutes? I think they're both sensible options, relatively speaking. Um, let's, let's, let's just try and tackle this in a broad way, Ruth, so we don't, uh, we don't waffle for too long. Um, mm-hmm. Would you start the youngsters and would you, uh, would you be dropping Bale and or Ramsey?
1: I quite like the forty five minutes each approach, actually. I think there is some there is some real merit in that. We've seen we've seen that on occasion before, haven't we? I'm trying to remember which game it was. Um,
0: Belarus, I think. I know, Poland, doesn't, maybe? Yeah. yeah, but maybe,
1: maybe. Um, I would I would start Johnson. I think he has shown in this in the brief periods he's been on that he asks questions of the opposition. And I feel that's what we haven't done collectively. Um, so I would be starting him. Um, I think I think I might be going for at the back in this game just because um, we've got to win it. Uh, but I don't know if that means we go defensively till the seventieth minute and then we come on the front foot. You know, is that a safer way of trying to win it? I don't know, Dave. Because every time I think we're settled, we're not settled, and I. I'm going round in circles a little bit, but I think Johnson has shown enough in the games that we ought to be starting him, yeah. I think
0: uh, I think we should stick with a five and a back in, in a loose sense, because I think that's where everyone's most comfortable, and I think having that three mm-hmm. in the back gives us a solidity. And I also think those three have played excellently, and I wouldn't want to mm-hmm. drop any of them. I think we've got to do something different, right? If, if we go into this game and England expect us to play or set up similarly to the way we've set up and played recently, they'll have a field day with us. And I think the way that England have been made to look uncomfortable by the Americans um, and even by the Iranians at points is when you get at them. You know, they, they conceded two goals. That first goal that Toremi scored against England is a great goal. But, you know, they got at them in those moments. I appreciate they had to, but they did. And I think that that is also their weakness. Harry, Harry Maguire, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the boys' shore at Man United, I, Like that is their weakness, I think. So let's get at that. And you know, If they beat us on the break, they beat us on the break. We need to go and win the game. A draw's no good to us. Mm-hmm. We've got to go at them. So if it were me, and I appreciate this is going to sound stupid, but I also think it's the bravest way to approach this. We've got to try something different, right? Catch England out. Mm-hmm. Catch them cold at the start. For me, I would have three centre-backs, Rod and Davis, Mepham. I would stick with the wing backs idea, but let them be wingers basically. So we have more four, we have four, a genuine four in midfield. When I have James and Zorba Thomas as wingers, and just say you bomb on lads, and you can track back. Please do that, but you know your priority is go forward. Let the three defend. Don't let them kind of have one go and one sit and whatever like they mm-hmm. tried to do against Iran. Have two holders, Alan Morel. Um, or, Alan, uh, or, or Ampadu and uh, Morel, depending on the situation. Um, and then have, if you wanted to start Bale or Ramsey, have either one of them as the 10. Have more up front with Johnson and, and, and rotate, if you want to do that, the 10. So let Bale have 45, Ramsey have 45. The other alternative is maybe to start neither of them. Leave Wilson in there as the ten. I don't think he's had a great tournament, but he's younger and faster, so maybe stick him in as the ten. And then with half an hour to go, if it's nil nil, and we need, we you know we've got players who can, we need to win a game. What a great double substitution <laughs> to bring on Gareth Bale, our all-time leading goalscorer, and. Uh, and Aaron Ramsey to, to come on and do something and change that game up. That's what I would do and I appreciate it's maybe a bit kind of pie in the sky but I also think we've got to try something different and I think my point that I'm making is more about trying something different as much as it is what the actual outcome of the of the tactical discussion is. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I, I think that change um, makes it sound like Williams and Roberts haven't contributed but I think they've been Contributing as defensive wing backs so much more than as you say wingers, yeah. and given it's a game we've got, given it's a game we've got to win, perhaps that is a way to change, change personnel rather than necessarily change the the five of the back on paper, as it were. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's a first half with Roberts and. And Williams there to make sure that we're in the game at half time, and then make those changes and push even more forward in the second half. I don't know, Dave. I think we're. I think we are struggling to find what we want to do, um, and maybe Chris Mepham is right. Maybe when our backs against the wall, we find a way. Um, and maybe if you play Roberts and, and Williams, but you ask them to play as as wingers, um, well, we've just got to go for it. And I, I think at this point, that means you've got to have more up front. You've got to have Brennan Johnson starting. I don't think Wilson's really contributed, so I wouldn't wouldn't be the end of the world if he wasn't playing. But I think there's a question about whether Wilson, Ramsey and Bale are all playing too much as notional tens. The
0: same person. You
1: know, and I, I'm not, I'm not really... That's just not. There's no synergy there. They're almost clashing in terms of what they're trying to do. Um,
0: the the final thing I agree with you by the way, um, especially about the Wilson Moore, uh, Wilson Bale, uh, Ramsey thing. I think they they are three players who are basically trying to play in the same space, and I'm not really sure it works. Um, my my big thing that I've looked at um, in the in the last in the last couple of hours in the build up to us recording and just kind of thinking about this in general, I looked through our last twenty games. We've scored, in in those last 20 games, we've scored one goal or fewer in 15 of our last 20 games. That relies on us keeping clean sheets, being defensively solid and defensively strong in these games. And again, quite simply put, we're just not doing that. And I think if you try, I'm trying to dr- quickly do it now because I've forgotten my bloody stat, The last time we we kept a clean sheet was when we beat Ukraine, okay? The last time we Mm -hmm. kept a clean sheet before that was when we beat Estonia 1-0. And that that was also our other previous clean sheet, was that 0-0 against Estonia, which was not positive. The last (laughs) time we kept a clean sheet in a competitive game before that, um, you have to go back to when we beat the Czech Republic 1-0 uh in the cardiff city stadium uh mm-hmm. in the first round of the world cup qualifiers i mean yeah that is 30th of march 2021 that is really not very often four clean sheets mm-hmm. in, in about a year and a half you know I, there's uh, it does not take a genius to work out if you're not scoring more than one goal in a game and you're not often keeping a clean sheet you're in trouble and I think mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's fine enough to try and address one of those things, to try and address both of those things <laughs> in a final World Cup group game against England, who were, you know, ranked one of the best teams in the world and, has, you know, scored six goals against Iran. It's, you know, it's a big ask that, isn't it? So I, I, I do maintain that there is a, there's, a, again, bleeds into what you were saying about how do we play. There is there is still a big issue there, right? And I think, you know, somewhere along the line that needs to be addressed. Um Ruth, let is, lets us finish and uh, and, and talk. I, there's a couple of quick things I want to finish with, but just to finish um, on a footballing sense, um, just for fun, uh, <laughs> do you want to give a prediction? For the sake of clarity, if we win and the USA game is a draw, we qualify regardless of the score. Uh-huh. If the USA-Iran game isn't a draw and either team wins, we have to beat England <laughs> by four clear goals. Yeah. Um, that's our predicament. Um, <laughs> what, uh, just for fun, Ruth, do you, want, do, you, do you want to tell me what you think is going to happen?
1: I think it might be a draw.
0: Yeah, frustratingly, I think I can see this being a nil-nil draw as well. Um, yeah. Which doesn't help any of us, but this is going to sound absolutely <laughs> mental, and I appreciate it is, but... I had a, I dreamt last night. I didn't sleep very well last night. Combination of, you know, <laughs> annoyance and alcohol. But um, I had a dream last night that Gareth Bale scored a 91st minute uh, winner against the English. So I am <laughs> I am going to put a pound on that just in case. Um, but uh, so they Please you know. don't. Please don't put a <laughs> pound on it. <laughs> That'll knacker it straight away. Um, there's two pertinent things I want to say uh, before we finish. Um, one of those things is, and I don't know if you've seen this Ruth, but uh, a Welsh fan called Kevin Davis, who is 62 from Pembrokeshire, has unfortunately passed away in Qatar whilst attending the tournament with his son, passed away before the Iran game. So um, on a serious note, I wanted to pass uh, the condolences of everyone uh, who works for Coleman, well I said works, is part of Coleman Had a Dream um, <laughs> to, to him and his family and his friends. Um, just huge respect uh, from all of us and we all are, f- are very very sorry for your for your loss um, especially whilst watching what should be a, a joyous moment for our country
1: oh i hadn't heard about that that's really sad news um condolences to to friends and family that's so difficult
0: yeah it really is um you know we don't often get political here on the coleman had a dream podcast but i do also think it's really important yesterday was I, I found yesterday actually very emotional, not just because of the footballing side of things, but to hear hear the Iranians booing their own national anthem uh, was one thing. Um, the the players not really singing, but the, the scenes in the stand I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it now, the scenes in the stands of the, of the fans crying whilst all of that was happening was so, I'm getting choked <laughs> up now, was so powerful and so emotional and so emotive um, and what they've done in the previous game against England where they had that, had that big f- banner up and again not seeing their own anthem you know we're talking about you know should this person play here should but these players are doing something that could legitimately you know lose them their lives in the in in the the return to their home country this is big serious important stuff and you know i have so much respect for them for for taking the stand that they did and you could see the emotion pour out of them when they scored that goal uh that that first goal on on friday so i just wanted to reference that because i think it's easy to get lost in the football sometimes but I think the the impact that these players are having in in real life I think is fantastic and I think they deserve huge credit for that
1: yes I mean credit um, to to borrow a cycling um, term chapeau to them to of the hat to them for just so difficult to to weave your way through this I imagine and to try and to try and concentrate on the football whilst wanting to make a statement about where your country is politically and what's happening back home and what the populace back home is facing. I mean, it's clear that this World Cup has shown up an awful lot of um, socioeconomic political questions, Dave, and I'd, li- I'd like us to return to them, you know, properly in a, in a podcast in the not-too-distant future. And, you know, I'm interested in learning a bit more about how, how it was to be in car and the actual environs and, you know, how that manifests itself and all that sort of thing. Um, obviously today we've concentrated on, on, on the football and where, and where we are as football in terms to two thirds of the way through the group stage. But, you know, you look what happened to Laura McAllister with the rainbow hat and the other people that were faced that getting into the USA game and, you know, and that's something that was officially sanctioned through by the FAW through FIFA. And you know, the way that FIFA didn't give the given give the, the European teams an answer about the armbands until the day before the game and then came back with a with a negative and just and then that's not even touching on what's been happening in Qatar itself and the the situation with the immigrant workers and all of that. I think there's I think there's stuff that we do need to discuss Um, so let's let's put some time aside to look at these wider issues
0: yeah I totally agree and I think once this tournament is over uh, for us and for everyone I think that's definitely something we need to talk about Um, Before we finish, just again, a huge thanks to everyone who is writing for us at Coleman Had A Dream. We've got so much great stuff on our website at the minute. Some serious stuff, some funny stuff, uh, some important stuff, some football stuff. Um, There's a load of different things uh, from all of our writers there. So please do go and have a look at ColemanHadADream.com and our World Cup special page there. Um, To add to that, this podcast has been sponsored by... Bagsy. If you go to bagsybags.com, you can use the code CHAD10 for 10% discount. Um, Finally, uh, I want to say thank you to everyone who has contributed to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Coleman's dream. We've had a few more uh, people supporting us. Please do so. Please help us keep this podcast free. Uh, Please help us keep this podcast going um, so that uh, it doesn't financially bankrupt us. (laughs) Ruth just to finish is there anything else you wanted to add Ruth sorry
1: no just look good luck to the lads on Tuesday Uh, safe journeys to folks that you know going out or already out there I know there was problems with some people getting from Dubai to Friday's game for example so hopefully that's just a little calmer and people get through the the paperwork side of things okay for, for Tuesday's game but at this point it's just a matter of fingers crossed and like we were saying earlier the hope is always the worst of it isn't it but we we've, we've prayed to be in a position where we've got this hope yeah. so you know i'm tr- i'm trying to i'm trying in a weird way to enjoy it i'm trying to remind myself that this is this is a good a good bad time as it were
0: (laughs) yeah this is supposed to be the thing that we look forward to and here we are anyway um, there you go ladies and gents Uh, we'll be back after the England game hopefully to discuss a miraculous victory and who Wales will face in the last 16 of the 2022 World Cup we can but hope Ruth Um, well there you go ladies and gents thank you very much to you all for listening thank you for your time and we will be back soon thank you and goodbye okay bye bye